You know, if you've been here, we've been going through the doctrines of the Bible for the last number of years, and we have finally made it to anthropology and also harmatology. And we're talking about man and sin, and we're talking also uh, in anthropology, which we'll be talking about tonight, is about the doctrine uh, of man. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to start out with the origin of man. And in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, if you are a Bible-believing believer, you know that God created everything that exists, and you know that He created man in His own image in Genesis 1-2. And as God created man in His own image, we have the facts of the creation history throughout the Word of God. And the first place I want us to look is Psalm 33, and this is the history, and it said, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. So God simply spoke, and it came into existence. And the Lord made the heavens and all of the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So just as God created man by breathing in his nostrils the breath of life, so he created all things by the spoken word of his mouth. And everything that is seen and everything that is unseen has been created by the spoken word of God. The next passage we have is in chapter 102, verse 25. And the psalmist says, Of old you laid the foundations of the earth. And it's saying, Lord, you laid the foundations. It wasn't some cosmic explosion. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't a big bang. It was you spoke it and it became. And the heavens and the work are the works of your hands. God formed and fashioned creation. And when he spoke it into existence, uh, I don't know if there was a bang, but I know one thing. When he spoke it, it happened. And also in Isaiah 45, verse 18 I love this passage of Scripture. It said, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who, uh, who has established it, who did not create it in vain. In other words, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says that the earth was formless and void. But God created nothing to be formless and void. And those two words in the original Hebrew language are bohu and tohu. And it says that God made nothing, bohu and tohu. He made nothing formless and void. Everything that he made, he made with a purpose and a reason. He did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is no other. And if you know the creation account on the six days of creation, God created something else every single day. And as he created man on day six, he created it to be inhabited. And then he told Adam and Eve to do what? Go and populate the earth. And uh, he created the earth to be inhabited by mankind and also plant life and animal life, and the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the air. And then we come to the New Testament, and the four writers of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In John, we have this high Christological statement in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It said, in the beginning was the Word. So what John is establishing is that Jesus Christ did not have a beginning point, but that He always has been, always will be. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God the Father. And, and He was God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then it says this, All things, everything, was made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So everything that we have has been created by Almighty God, by His spoken word, by the forming and shaping of His hands. And then the, Paul says in Ephesians 3, 9, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery 
which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. So you have precept upon precept, truth upon truth, and he's stacking it up and saying, listen, over and over and over and over and over again, God is validating the authority of his spoken word in creation as he created everything that is known and everything that is unknown. Then we come to the book of Colossians, which Paul also wrote, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, one of the second high Christological passages that we have in the New Testament. It said, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And here's the key, and in him all things consist. In other words, he holds it all together by the power of his word. And as he holds all things together, you know, scientists have been baffled for centuries how all of this holds together. It holds together in Christ. He is the one who created it. You know, if you're the architect, you know everything about the building that you've built, or you know everything about the universe that you've constructed. And nothing takes God by surprise. He knows every single aspect of that, and He knew what would transpire and how He would hold it together. And then we come to the third Christological passage in Hebrews chapter 1, in verses 1 through 3. It said, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past. How? By the Father's to the fathers by the prophets. So God spoke in the Old Testament by the prophets to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, except the patriarchs. He has in these last days, and when it says these last days, when the coming of Christ came, that was the beginning of the last days. And you say, John, that's been over 2,000 years ago. Still, theologically, biblically, it is the last days. Has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds there, again, precept upon precept, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things, how? By the, power, by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sin, set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this process continued, continued, continued. And, and man had to uh, continue to sacrifice and the high priest continued to sacrifice and the Levitical priest continued to sacrifice animal after animal after animal and there was never a seed in the in the temple and then what it says but jesus when he finished his work he sat down there is a rest that we are to enter into and when you go back to the book of exodus you have you have the children of israel leaving the nation of of uh, egypt however the text then tells us they don't enter god's rest and you see, salvation, we, we, we are freed from our sin, but so many people don't enter the rest of God. And we need, we need to rest in Him. And so many people are so frustrated because they don't find that rest and that peace. And the reason being is you have to get into the Word of God and you have to let the Word of God get into you. And then you also feast upon it daily. And you meditate and you pray and you, pray and you ruminate. And, and it gets in you, and it causes peace. And that's why Paul said that we should do what? Be content in all things. And the way to be content in all things is to find our peace and our purpose in Christ. And then in verses 10 through 12 of Hebrews, it says, And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. Now, let me stop right there. 
do you think the Bible teaches that God created all this? It says it over and over and over, doesn't it? You see, we either believe. How do you believe? What, what is faith? Believing what you can't see. Hebrews 11. And there's a lot of things I can't see, but I believe in them. Don't you? And, and we, people say, well, you know what I do? I just can't believe. We all have belief systems. We all have belief systems. In fact, every single one of us came in this building today, and we didn't even think about sitting down in the pew that it would hold us up. We, by faith, sat down believing that it would sustain our weight. Right? Anybody here think, I bet this pew's going to fall? No. By faith. By faith we do that. By faith. And then it says, The heavens are the work of your hands. But here's, here's the thing. They will perish. But here it is. You are eternal. You've been created in the very image of God. You will remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not fail. Listen, God created us for eternity, not just for time. And as I thought today about Tommy, 19 years old, he created them for eternity. And you know what? He is in eternity now. And he is present with the Lord. And every single one of us are created for eternity, not for time. Because time, 60, 70, 80, how many ever years that God gives us on planet Earth, it's going to come to an end. But eternity goes on forever. In fact, the writer of Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3 said, these words, that God's love is from vanishing point to vanishing point. Meaning, you could go as far to the east and as far to the west as you possibly could. And there's never a place that His love does not go. And the same thing is true about eternity. We are living in a moment of time. There was a moment that we were not, but there was a moment that we were, and there was a moment we always will be, and that's called eternity. And we never escape that. But you're the same, and your years will not fail. Now let's look at Revelation. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. By your will they exist and were created. God, you did all of the work. Now listen to me. The creation story is not myth and it is not allegory. It is literal. It is a historical fact. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, secondly, God's creation, secondly, of the world was accomplished in a period of six literal 24-hour days. God created the earth in six literal 24-hour days. In fact, the words morning and evening in Scripture always speak of a literal 24-hour period of time. In Genesis 1, goes, it says the evening and the morning, the evening and the morning, the evening and the morning, and the evening and the morning, and the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. And what's been so debated is 
People want to deny that. They want to deny, and the reason they want to deny that it's six literal 24-hour days is so they can say, well, you know, it's been billions upon billions upon billions of years. How often have you heard that? The days of creation, the, the days of creation form God's basis for the Sabbath rest. You, you think about it. What, what does God say? Six days man should do what? Labor, and on the seventh day, what should he do? She do. Rest. We are to rest. Now, we find that hard to do, unfortunately. But in Genesis chapter 2... Verses 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all of His works which He had done. Now, God doesn't tire. God was setting a principle. And the principle was, it's not good that man should work 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You'll burn yourself out. You have to rest. On the seventh day, God did His work which He had done. He rested on the seventh day from all the work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it He rested from all His work in which God had created and made. So the principle was set up. There is a day of rest, a Sabbath of rest, and you are to take that day and rest. Now, in Exodus chapter 20, we find out a little bit more about that. We have the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments... Moses was told by God, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And he's writing this down. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, if those were a thousand-year days, you wouldn't get much rest, would you? But they're literal days, and God's setting a principle. Rest on the seventh day. Restore your body. You know, science still doesn't understand why you have to sleep. (laughs) But I do know one thing. I like it. And I sure feel better the next day because of it. And when I don't sleep... I don't feel well at all. In fact, I feel really crummy. And chapter 31 of Exodus. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord your God who sanctifies you. So what's being said is, listen, this is a covenant made between God and the nation of Israel. And you are to rest on the Sabbath day. So, God created man. It's a direct creation. It's not an evolutionary process that God created us. In Genesis chapter 2, we have these words next. Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being or a living soul. And what separates us from animal and plant life? You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit, right? And our spirit is how we know the Lord and how we have that relationship with Him. 
And we desire that relationship because he gives us peace. He gives us hope. He gives us eternal life. And he, and he, he, he allows us to have that relationship with him and to come to the Son through the presence of the Holy Spirit to go to the Father and pray and seek his will. Verses 21 and 22. And the Lord caused, Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in the place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And then you can go on and say, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and two shall become one flesh. You know, it's a great mystery how God does that. That God creates. And did you notice where he took the rib from? The side. Not the foot, not the head. The side. We are to be one. But God's creative process. And the reason, I'm sure each of you know why God did that, because Adam had named all the beasts and all the fowl and all the fish and he didn't have a helper. He needed a helpmate. I always say he needed someone to keep him in line. <laughs> and that's what a helpmate does. They're there to help you, strengthen you. We're going to do one more, and then we're going to go and have fellowship with Gwen. God created man next this way. We are to become the progenitors of the rest of mankind. Regardless of race, man is made up of one blood. Man is made up of one blood. And what blood is that? The blood of Adam. The blood of Adam. We all come from Adam. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve. And the reason he called her Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. You know what Adam's name means? <laughs> Red. You know why? God made him out of the clay. <laughs> so you had Red and the mother of all the living. Or, you might say, Boney and Claude. Because she was the mother of all of the living. Next passage is chapter 9, verse 19. These three were the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And from these the whole earth was populated. Acts 17, quickly. God, who made the world and everything in it, since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything, since He gives to all life, breath, and all things. And He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each of us. And I love that last part, that He is not far from each of us.
I want to pause for just a minute. And Gwen, how many years have you been here at First Baptist? How many? Several. Gwen does a lot of things that probably a lot of people don't know and she'd probably be embarrassed if I tell everything so I won't but if you've received a card the good likelihood it came from her a couple other ladies help her she started the ministry she's taught Sunday school she's played the piano she's sang she's done so much and we are going to miss you We've become very close in the time that I've known the family, and her mother and father, sister, Gwen. And it's hard to say bye. But we're going to go in the back, and we're going to have some cake. We want you to stay for the fellowship. You don't have to stay long, but just come back. 